Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways that our wonderful foot can malfunction and cause us problems. So please find us on all the platforms where you find your typical podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, and I'm here with my partner, Dr. Rafi Hussein. And today we're going to delve into rheumatoid foot. So we got, it's you know, essentially an autoimmune disease that affects the joints, particularly those in the hands and the, and the feet, and can cause some pretty horrific deformities. But within the last couple of decades, they've developed medications that help minimize some of that. Yeah. So we're doing fewer and fewer of that. Uh, that type of work. These uh, DMARDs, disease-modifying uh, rheumatoid medications, have gotten so well at controlling the uh, deformities that, um, honestly, we're not doing as many rheumatoid foot reconstructions as we used to. Right. The few that I am seeing are patients who are older and haven't gone through it, the treatment, and or the few that are There's sensitive a, to the medications. Yeah, They're they can't take them. Yeah. Can't tolerate the medications, and uh, they end up having these um, significant, you know, deviation of fingers and toes and significant arthritis um, aside from you know all these other problems so clinically what do we see we will see you know aches and pains we'll see some skin rashes some nerve injuries with a uh, compression and uh, swelling of the joints you're getting pressure on those nerves and then you'll see these lumps and bumps that are called rheumatoid nodules aside from the actual deviation of the toes Typically, we, we call them ulnar deviation because they're deviating out or fibular deviation because they're deviating out. And those are the patients that you may or people that you may see out and about that the, uh, the fingers, rather than being straight, they're like slightly angled out and they usually have hypertrophy or swelling at the joints you know, uh, of the fingers and knuckles. Uh, they're especially painful. Uh, what's up happening is that they're literally subluxing at those joints and uh, that's causing even just complete dislocation yeah. of the toe off of the med head yeah. and they're literally walking on the metatarsal heads yeah. getting those horrible calluses so here's a prime example of what we'll typically see with someone who's had long-term rheumatoid that's gone untreated 
right? They'll come in with these large, large bunions, these severe sublux joints and hammer toes. You can kind of see how these have gone out. You can see this third and fourth one, I mean, excuse me, this fourth and fifth one have gotten so bad that that fourth one, I bet you if we took an x-ray, would be sitting on top totally of the joint. Totally dislocated. Literally, rather than being like this, it would be sitting like this. Yeah. Um, very, uh, very painful. And tough to, to relocate. Yeah. Without doing some major reconstruction. Blow that up. Bone resection. So uh, there's many stages of rheumatoid. You know, a lot of the times they'll come in at end stage because that's when they're having the pain. But the best time to do treatment is when you get early, early diagnosis. These uh, joints are autoimmune inflammation uh, degeneration. The joints swell up. The body's antibodies are pretty much swelling up these joints and causing that deformation. You're literally eating away at the lining of the joints, the synovium, and that also weakens the ligamentous structure around these joints. Untreated, these joints will dislocate and you'll get severe arthritis. So here's some x-rays. And this is, I'm sure, a classic right here, rheumatoid foot. How often do you see this with rheumatoid? End stage, yeah. I mean, this is your... You, you uh, hope you can intervene before it gets that bad, because at that point, you don't have many options except uh, pan-metatarsal head resection and yeah. fusing the great toe joint. But Whenever I see this x-ray before walking into a room, I'm like, this person's got rheumatoid yeah. or some type of you know autoimmune. Um, Psoriatic arthritis, maybe. Rheumatoid arthritis, most likely. But yeah, yeah the, they uh, have a pretty distinct foot structure. that Classic yeah, ulnar deviation. You yep. got the subluxation of the joint. You know, This joint is literally sitting on top. Here, here's another prime example. Joint is sitting on top. And uh, when you catch it early enough, you'll see the periarticular erosions. So you'll see little erosions right where the joint capsule is attaching on either side of the joint. Yeah, that uh, that periarticular, just articular um, uh, erosive changes is pathognomonic for it because it's literally weakened in a way that, um, that, that ligamentous attachment and that capsule structure. So that's what gets that deviation. As they're walking, it slowly just kind of pushes that toe over and over more. It's rare that I catch them at that stage. I mean, yeah. it's almost always it's the, the end dislocated stage. toes. Yeah, and and it's re they're really tough. Yeah. So we'll get our imaging. We'll we'll talk about what's happening, and uh, we try to explain to them. Look, this is uh, autoimmune. This is uh, rheumatoid. If you're not being treated for rheumatoid, most likely we should. I'm going to send you to a rheumatologist, and we need to get you treated. A lot of the times, most of the times, they've already know that they have rheumatoid, and they're coming in to see if we can talk about some treatment options. There, there's your periarticular erosions. That's perfect. Yeah, Those are that marginal that classic right straight out of the textbook. Here, this is um, we talked about the rheumatoid nodules. This is I bet you this patient had a nodule in the back right here, mm -hmm. and you can kind of see that soft tissue uh, uh, changing color, and that literally it wears away that bursitis effect of it. It literally wears away at that uh, that bony structure. Eventually, you get almost uh, almost looks like um, psoriatic arthritis at end stages, that pencil and cup deformity. Yeah. Um, but what we're doing is literally just wearing away that cartilage. You can see how it's early, 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 and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then they're balancing on that small little capital fragment of that uh, um, metatarsal head. And there's no cartilage left. Yeah, there's and no cartilage. You can see there's no, no space there anymore, bone on bone. Yep. Yeah, and it's uniform. That's one of the things, you know, we're getting x-rays. It's not just one site. Uh, this can also get, you know, mixed up with, if I didn't, if I was looking at one joint, you can be like, all right, this is probably osteomyelitis or some type of septic arthritis. But if we're seeing it uniform across all of these joints here, we know that this is most likely rheumatoid before yeah, even talking and, to the patient. And you can look at their hands too yeah. and see they've okay. got the classic, you know, yeah, ulnar deviation. That's yeah. classic straight yeah. out of the textbook. Yeah. So and uh, the and you see the the atrophy of the intrinsics and yeah, yeah. they got that that thenar atrophy. Yeah. 
swan neck deformity. Yeah, pretty classic. Eventually, if this goes on long enough, they fuse because now that cartilage is gone and they'll fuse into those positions. And sometimes they'll actually be comfortable because now that that uh, arthritis is gone. But most of the time when we're seeing them, we're seeing them in this phase right here, then inflamed synovitis, the pain is deformity. If they were walking on their hands, they would have more pain. Yeah. You know, clearly the the pain in you know, from our perspective in the foot is is the dislocations are causing pressure points that wouldn't normally be there. Yeah. Clinically, we'll see this ulnar deviation, fibular deviation of these toes at onset about 45% of the time. And then as a prevalence, it's like 80, 90% of the time. I mean, it's we're in podiatry, so obviously we're going to see the ones that are deviated the most. But with rheumatoid that's gone um, untreated for long times, this is, this is what we're seeing. Even with treatment, you're going to get some type of deformity. You'll see the swelling, the synovitis of the ankle about 50% of the time, and that flat foot deformity at five years, they estimate that one in four will have that type of deformity. It's just, uh, you know, it's a very... Progressive problem. Yeah, yeah. You just start to see the joints all a domino effect, really. So other things we'll see are these rheumatoid nodules. Now, a lot of the times these lumps and bumps will be the head of the metatarsals, mm. but sometimes they'll actually be the head plus scar tissue hypertrophy. It's literally a soft tissue mass that sits in that fatty layer that has gone uh, angry and inflamed, and these nodules sometimes need to come out. They're estimated to be actually increased with patients who are on long-term methotrexate. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was just looking oh, that up. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. yeah. The way we treat these, um, we'll you know do steroid shots, shrink them down. They work really, really well with steroids. And then sometimes, occasionally, we'll take these out. Um, I got another one that you'd like. Here we go. Look at that. Yikes. On the Achilles. Uh, yep. It's just, you know, it's it's hypertrophic. It's it's tender. It's um, enlarged. And obviously, on, on these prominences, they'll be rubbing against shoe gear. Yeah, the, the nodules can be a problem all by themselves. And when they're combined with pressure points because of the deformities, yeah. that's the tough combo. It's And you can offload these folks like yeah. you would a diabetic. You can put them in plastizote inserts. Yeah. Heat molded plastizote Where inserts can help. But, yeah, these offloading pads, these plastizote yeah. inserts, they work really, really well. Um, it's simple, it's conservative. And I know a lot of patients don't like the idea of, oh, he's just treating me with insoles. But honestly, I get the most success with these rheumatoid patients with simple insoles, you know, offloading those specific sites. I do my, my little marker trick. I don't know if you do yeah, that or not. Sure. I literally, I'll have them walk with their insoles after I've drawn, I've got my little skin marker in my pocket usually. I'll draw a little spot on their on their foot It'll around those Transfer spots, right over to the And I'll put a mark. Like yeah, yeah, it works beautifully. And so that peach colored material is designed to mold around those bony prominences, just like in our diabetics. Yeah. We're not trying to prevent wounds in the rheumatoid patients because they can still feel stuff. Yeah. But we are trying to just give them a distribution of weight away from those bony prominences so they'll yeah. be more comfortable. And yeah, I agree. I think it can be helpful. I think the custom version can be helpful. Oh yeah. Especially in those patients that just aren't good candidates for surgery. They're on yeah. you know lots of steroids. Uh, they may have other cardiovascular issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may be smokers. <laughs> you know, and it just that always just, helps, right? You start adding up the start checking all those boxes, and you're like, you know, I'm not sure you're the patient I want to operate on. Yeah. So let's let's try the the shoes and the inserts and try to get you comfortable. And I don't, I agree with you. A lot of times you can make them comfortable enough. These are not people running marathons. Yeah. Um, they know their restrictions the, already, and they just yeah. want to be comfortable walking around. Now, there are going to be the patients, and this is happening, I'm sure you see this all the time, that want to walk around barefoot at home. 
And then I'm like, all right, well, you got to give me one or the other. You got to yeah. wear your insoles <laughs> and be comfortable, yeah. or you got to talk about going in and fixing this surgically. Because if you want to be comfortable barefoot on your your wood surface, your your tile floors. And again, I don't know that that I've had that conversation with people and, yeah. I, and with patients, and I'm like, is it worth it to have a surgery so that you can walk comfortably barefoot if around? That's your house? their main reason. It may not be a good reason to have the yeah. surgery. Yeah, I just think expectations get elevated when you start talking like that. But yeah. I agree, patients want want that, but it may not be possible with their foot structure. Yeah. So I mean, baseline therapy, like we talked about, the, du- use- the double. Look at the double one yeah. in the Achilles. That I don't think I've ever seen that. That's no. impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that hurt like crazy. Oh my goodness! And they got the little MRI right here. You yeah. Look at that. And you can see it's just slightly tethered to the Achilles, uh, but it's it's not part of the Achilles. It's not a, like you know, if you know, no fault to anyone. If I'm getting a referral from a urgent care center or something like that, they see something like this, I'm certain they're going to say this is like an Achilles rupture or partial They kind of freak out. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I understand. But, you know, with the history, with all that kind of stuff, um, you can see that with the MRI, it's not involving the tendon specifically. There's no branches, no... It's all no, synovial. Yeah, there's no... And, and these are basically curative when you excise them. Yeah. I mean, it's taken them... You know, a couple decades to develop something like that, and you can yeah. get rid of it in a pretty quick outpatient surgery. Yeah, it's two to three weeks for skin to heal. Th- back those to are great. I think that's a really valuable thing you can do for somebody if that's where their major problem is. Yeah, and they're they're well encapsulated. They're they're isolated from everything else. They're, they're pretty not, easy to remove, yeah, and, and you're not, not you're not dealing with any vital structures back yeah. there. You know, yeah. So I think that's a pretty safe. Pretty safe surgery. When you start talking about the forefoot ones, those are a little bit more they, difficult. They get more difficult, especially on the bottom of the foot. Yeah, but you know, I think we've been successful in the past in doing metahead resection, methead resections. But you know, that's a joint destructive procedure. Yeah, if it's already a destroyed joint, so be it. Um, but yeah, those the 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 interdigital lesions are really difficult. I see those quite yeah, often. Those are difficult. I actually got this idea from a patient. I would you know. My go-to was the individual spacers, right? Yeah. The, and I had a patient come in. <laughs> the gel ones. And this was like four or five years ago. I had a patient come in and he was wearing this on his toes, you know, his daughter bought him. He was wearing this on his toes. I was like, that is genius. You know, he's like, yeah, I, he had rheumatoid and stuff. And um, I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. This is, it's holding most of the toes in alignment and it's spacing them out. You can get the silicone, you can get the foam ones. The daughter was getting them from the nail salon sure. originally. And then she just ordered a giant like bag from, you know, Amazon <laughs> or wherever. And I was like, oh, this is, this is perfect because a lot of the times with these deviations, that big toe is pushing that, that those little toes over, uh, you know, and then you're squeezing these bones against one another. And if you can imagine, these bony prominences are literally pinching that skin off in that area. And yeah. commonly we'll see it in the, in the fourth inner space, that fourth and fifth toe. Mm-hmm. Um, but with rheumatoid, the that push. It's the severe and, deformity that's... But, and, and again, people need to understand that that callus is there for specific reason it's yeah. not just coming in uh, it's not popping up out of nowhere um you know that that is a specific uh bone-on-bone contact point and yeah. until you address that you, you know you might be able to address it with padding yeah conservatively it's it's fine but it's not gonna yeah. it's not a solution it's, and it's um, not, it's not gonna band-aid. go away but yeah. if you fix the the hammer toes and you correct the position of the toes you can often get them to go away completely yeah so you can use conservative therapy spacers shaving down that callus you know uh, urea creams. I love urea creams for these calluses. They sure. work really, really well. Just liquefy the callus. You can use easy. these offloading pads, um, especially you know uh, those metatarsal head prominences. You know that metatarsal is is being pushed down by that sublux joint. If this is the toe and this is the metatarsal, when it's supposed to be like this, that toe is literally 
it's literally subluxing on top right yeah. here, and it's usually hammered pretty well. I like the the sleeves with the silicone gel built into them. Yeah. You've got in the bottom right hand corner there. I think those are really pretty helpful if their toe deformities aren't so bad that they can slip it on and off. Yeah. <laughs> so it, sometimes their deformities are so bad they it's really hard for them to yeah. even get those on and off. With long-term steroid use, a lot of these patients are on like methotrexate or prednisone or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, these, uh, the fat pad starts dissipating a lot faster than it would in an average patient. So that cushion is gone. Or, so or it's dislocated. Oh, and that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the toes, ham the toes hammered, it's, it's subluxed, and now it's pulled the fat pad off the med head into the sulcus. Yeah. So, you know, if your fat pad is pulled, you can kind of do this with your hand. You know, you can't really feel your metacarpal heads very easily when you're fingers are straight, but as soon as you curl them up, they pop out. And if you don't have any padding there because it's been sucked up into the sulcus, which is this space right here, you're going to have exposed condyles, which are going to lead to those pinpoint, really painful calluses. So conservative other option is orthotics. I'm a big fan of these. I think they work beautifully. This is an older pair of leather orthotics that I, I, I came across. I was like, uh, people don't talk about them, but before we used to use leather cork and- Cork uh, underneath, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it worked out well because it'd step on it, that cork and uh, uh, tar or whatever it was, uh, soft whatever um, mixture would accommodate to those uh, metatarsal heads. And then as it would set, it would be literally shaped to the bottom of your foot. Now we can mold them. We do their 3D scan. It works out beautifully. But yeah, the old school way worked out pretty decent itself. All right, surgery. So the gold standard for uh, rheumatoid foot is your um, Hoffman Clayton, modified Hoffman Clayton, where you use that first MPJ, the first, that big toe, and you come back and you do a metatarsal head resection of two, three, four, five, and pin them in place. Uh, the old, old way. I looked that up. We, yeah, um, we were talking about, is it actually Hoffman-Clayton or is it just... The so, modified or yeah. whatever. So there there were two versions. You can okay. do, I guess there's three versions. You can do the heads. Mm -hmm. You can do the bases of the toes. So rather than taking yeah, the heads which, out, you would take the bases out, which is not I, a smart I, idea. I, I thought that was a terrible idea. There's yeah. tendon attachments to the bases here. You don't want to yep. ruin that. Or you would do both, which would be even worse. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this looks beautiful. I mean, yeah. that, that's the way when I do pan med head resections and the first MTP fusion, yeah. that's what I want it to look like. You, yeah. want, you want the toes to be nice and straight, no more heads, no more pressure points. The toes are sitting in front of the, med, the metatarsal shafts. Yeah. That's beautiful. They don't always end up looking exactly like that, but they're As good enough. To, they're yeah. usually good enough that patients are happy. Yeah. How long do you leave the K wires in? I usually men four like, to six weeks. I was gonna say sometimes eight weeks. Depending yeah, longer because these these yeah. patients they still want to throw that yeah. those toes out. Yeah. The longer the better, honestly. If you I'll, can get them to keep them in, I, my yeah. half the battle is. You know, yeah, they end up walking on them and and they work themselves out. And yeah. you got to pull the pins early. The the other thing to that we note that you know I want to express is the big toe alignment. The big toe alignment when we do these fusions is so easy to bring that big toe straight with that metatarsal and then they end up having a sore spot under that IPJ, the interphalangeal yeah. joint. When we fuse this, I don't know if you do the same trick, I will put up their, you know, the top plate of the um, the tray that brings the screws just and hardware and plates. a flat surface that you can yeah, use a flat surface, yeah. and then I'll take two 4x4s and just kind of roll them up, sandwich them, and bring that toe up. That gives me about 5, 10 degrees of dorsiflexion. That's what you want. Just yeah. enough to kind of have that be a rocker rather than a hard point, and it becomes a rocker. And then eventually these patients will actually start getting excessive 
um, extension at this joint here would wear and tear the body adjusts and they'll have full function without even realizing that they ever had a fusion there. Uh, they work out so beautifully. And then with the adjunct of orthotics and proper shoe gear, they work out beautifully. Yeah, so combining that with, I think, the plastizoid inserts. Rocker bottom rocker shoes. Rocker bottom shoes in, in some cases, yeah. I think it, you can get people comfortable where they can you know, live the rest of their lives without worrying about it. So here are some, some other things. So with the new medication, the benefit of all these DMARDs and uh, other disease-modifying medications that we've been using for rheumatoid, sometimes if the joint uh, isn't that bad, if the patient is under good control, we can get away with without fusing that big toe joint. It's not often. I'd say maybe, I don't know. But a I handful agree sprinkled yeah. in there. Where you're just you're essentially fixing the bunion deformity and the hammer toes. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do a, a nice bunion deformity correction. We'll make sure that everything's in good alignment. You know, and then we'll and that's do a vials. tough one because they clearly have metaductus. Yeah, that's that's a different that's a difficult yeah, one. But this a is a good uh, example. That's beautiful. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, this is probably like a wedge type osteotomy, shifted this over, wiles. So the while is where we shift that metatarsal head backwards. So you're giving that patient a joint again. You're actually shifting that metatarsal head back maybe half a centimeter to a centimeter, and you're fixating it, which is bringing that uh, joint space, that, that motion, that laxity you needs, plus it's shifting it so you're under that. Yeah, you're that, decompressing the joint. That fat pad again. Yeah. And they work out beautiful. Uh, I'll put wires in these too. Uh, I don't... Um, for, to for fuse the PIP joints. Yeah, yeah I, I think you need to fuse the toes too. Yeah. yeah, and I'll leave the wires in that four, six, eight weeks, just like I would any uh, other rheumatoid, just because it's the soft tissue structures that bring it over. Right. It's not so much the bony structures, but that soft tissue pull. Oh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's clearly a soft tissue... It's a soft tissue disease. It's a disease of the soft tissues. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, and these work out really, really well, too. And, and you know, this will get them back into full function for the most part. And they're pretty much back before the disease uh, ruined their foot. And then we'll do the opposite foot, you know. All right. Joint replacements. So, this is kind of a toss-up. There are people that are more aggressive with joint replacements with rheumatoid. I'm not one of those. I, I think you know the fusion is my gold standard for rheumatoid. But there are people that are doing joint replacements, and I do I have done them. I'm you know not opposed to them. I just think that they're you have to have that conversation. Look, this may buy you time because if you're at that point where the joint has become completely destroyed, you're you're only buying time at this point. But they work out well for those. Um, individuals that uh I, i've done them i i still like the the base hemi over the head hemi yeah because yeah. you're, you're taking away far less bone yeah and you can always convert it to a fusion, fusion. Yeah. it's a little harder you're going to need some bone graft with those head the head hemis but i don't think it's a bad thing to do I, I didn't mean i just mean like we have to have a conversation with the patients i agree yeah um but if you if they're on dmarts and and you, and they're relatively well controlled they're not dealing with you know polyarthritis all the time and yeah. things are pretty well controlled yeah i would treat them like any other halx rigidus patient and give them the option we can fuse it we yeah. can implant it but it, you know if they have clearly uncontrolled ra and and yeah then i think because it's a progressive problem yeah. you really want you want joint fusion over over an implant but yeah, yeah I mean, I think we're even looking at putting in, in people who are well-controlled, you can do, you know, uh, TARS. You can do the total ankle yeah. re replacements oh, yeah. on those folks now. When before, they, it was like, 
No. No, no touching. No, yeah. I don't want it. Um, so I'd there's different the implants for these, you know, the elastic ones, the metal ones, titanium, whatever. Both sides of the joint, um, you can do hemis. They I work think out the, well. The totals have, I mean, the total, like the double I think the standard totals have really fallen out of favor. I'm yeah. Right. The trend I, has become do either the head or the base. And yeah. I'm a base person myself, too. Yeah, I, like I think it, it's long term, the, uh, the success is just so much better. I saw a patient today who I did one on 12 years ago yeah. and he's going to end up being the first one I'm having to convert to a fusion in 23 years. Wow. wow. The bone just kind of fell apart around yeah. it over the course of a decade, but yeah. I've, I've been putting him in for 22 years. Give him 20 years of full mobility in that joint, you know? It's, this guy got 12. Yeah. He got 12 years. He was so happy with it and he said it just started hurting a couple months ago. Took some x-rays today and yeah, it, it needs to come out. We need to, we need to fuse it with some bone graft, but that was the first one, so... Yeah. The other thing that we'll do with these that we, um, you know, are doing non-destructive, uh, non non-fusion type of uh, osteotomies is soft tissue rebalancing. So I put this in here. It's called like an internal brace type of uh, um, design. The, the suture is almost like um, a shoelace structure. We use them for ankles and other parts of the foot. But for the big toe, you'd bring, I mean, this is the opposite. This is probably correcting a varus deformity. Right. But you do across the toe and you'd come across here. And um, I typically, uh, I've done the triangles. I don't do the, the single. I do the, the double where it comes with the, like, mm. the two. But anyways, uh, you put one hole here, two holes here. You bring that suture through. It kind of crisscrosses. You make a little triangle on the side of that toe, giving it that support and hopefully preventing that deviation all over again. Works out really well. And especially with these rheumatoid patients who are known to have that soft tissue uh, give out on them. This is, a, uh, I think, a, a no-brainer on most of these rheumatoid uh, joint salvage type procedures. Not a bad option. Recovery, honestly, is based on person type of procedure we're doing. For, you know, your classic penhead, menhead resection, first MPJ fusion, your modified Hoffman-Clayton, I'm keeping them off their foot because of that first MPJ fusion. I don't know what you do. I typically yeah. keep them about four to six weeks off that foot. Because of the fusion, that's the limiting factor. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, then pretty much watching that heel. Honestly, the recovery is... Pretty easy. They're just kind of resting, you know, as much as possible. Letting that I think the key is elevation because if they swell, yeah. you're gonna have wound healing problems. So you got especially with the wires at the toes. Yeah, you got to convince them. Hey, look, you you got to you got to limit your activities of daily living. You got to keep this thing elevated as much as you can because swelling is going to be your biggest enemy. If this yeah. dehisses, you're going to have some like weeks and weeks of wound healing issues. So yeah, I, I know that uh, I tell my patients at eye level. You know, people will say different things. Make sure it's above your heart. Make sure, you know, it's above your hip. I think the hospital says six inches above the hip. And I was like, all right, that's kind of weird and specific. But yeah, <laughs> if it's at eye level, right, that swelling is going to come You're to your body. It's good. not going to, yeah, it's not going to come to your toes. I like the little diagram or the little drawing there of what it looks like. You're literally putting it up so your knee yeah. is almost bent 90 degrees. Yeah. That's that's serious elevation. That's going to keep that's things ideal. from smaller. Yeah. A lot of the times patients are like, yeah, I sit my lazy boy all the time. But if you look at a lazy boy, it's your feet not are enough. still. Yeah, that's not enough. You got to add, you got you to augment. And the, one of the best things to augment with is uh, you know, couch cushions because they're yeah. not going to crush down like a regular pillow. Yeah. yeah. So simple, you know, just kind of taking it easy uh, during the recovery. With certain DMARDs, prednisones, methotrexate, whatever, the rheumatologist may take them off They'll or put them things. on a, yeah, yeah. A, a lighter dose, allowing that bone healing. Steroids can slow down bone healing. Um, so tissue make sure, healing as well. Yeah, yeah, make sure they get enough calcium and vitamin D. And um, honestly, they heal up well and they have a brand new foot after all of this. Yeah, I would say patients are are 
grateful for the the pain relief they get. Yeah. But again, with DMARDs, man, not a lot of this going around. It's yeah. getting fewer and far between, which is great. I mean, that's one of the things that I think in our in our careers we've seen improve yeah. Oh, dramatically. Yeah, uh, like a 360 on it. Oh yeah. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks for that overview of rheumatoid arthritis and its effects on the foot. And we will see you guys next time on The Pod Doctors. Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, and be safe. See you all next time. Bye-bye.